The Guardian. Hello, I'm Matt Wells. Welcome to another rip-roaring edition of Media Talk coming up this week. With about 75,000 people having named Ryan Giggs on Twitter, it's obviously impracticable to imprison them all. Britain's worst-kept secret is no more after Ryan Giggs is identified as the footballer at the heart of the super-injunction controversy. We analyse what it all means for privacy, gagging orders and regulation of the internet. Also in the podcast, Twitter completes its acquisition of TweetDeck. BT starts trials of the next-generation wireless broadband. No, I can't wait either. And... I think I can definitely move on. I'm ready to get back to myself. You can take the Cheryl out of Newcastle, but you can't take Newcastle out of Cheryl. Cole's acts from the US X Factor, so will she be coming back to the British show? This is Media Talk from The Guardian. Uh, thank you to uh, John Plunkett for holding the fort so uh, thoughtfully last week. Uh, here with me in the pod uh, this time around is Janine Gibson, who is the editor of Guardian.co.uk. We haven't seen you for ages. It's been, uh, it's possibly been a, a year and a half. How are you? Are you going to you? tell the listeners why I'm here, Matt? Because <laughs> no, you couldn't find Dan Sabah five minutes ago, and you yanked me in. Don't pretend it's like a much-requested return. No, I, it, it's actually, Bottom of the barrel. Yeah, no, well, no, certainly not. It, it couldn't, be, couldn't be better this week, what with Cheryl Cole and Super Injunctions, you being the but on both. They're not super injunctions. I know. Uh, we are not perpetuating this myth. This is not a super injunction. We'll get to this. Uh, also, here is one half of the Answer Me This podcast, a winner of this year's Sony of uh, Gold, in fact, for yeah. best best. No, no bottom network. of the barrel here. No, no definitely not. <laughs> it's Ollie Mann. Hello, uh, congratulations. Nice Thank to see you. you. Now, Ollie, many of your listeners will be familiar with you from uh, your stints on Steve Wright in the afternoon. Oh yes, uh, Five Lives Weekend Edition. Yeah, and of course, Lorraine Saturday K- Edition. Saturday. Yeah, edition. I can tell you're a fan. Uh, and uh, Lorraine Kelly. Yes, I've graced Lorraine's sofa from yes. time to time. Where does Media Talk rank in your affections then? Oh, you know the answer to this, Matt, because I fangirled you horribly when I met you the first time at a radio academy. Do you? you see, never, uh, never He's ask, blushing. Never, I was so excited. Never ask a question you don't know the answer to. Uh, okay. I just think it's really embarrassing that we've got a proper professional podcaster in the studio, and I'm just so grumpy that I have to be here because Dan Sabah hasn't turned Eating up. Eating a Kit Kat and uh, drinking a coffee. Uh, okay, it's no surprise that we're starting again this week by discussing uh, injunctions, super or otherwise, and the state of Britain's privacy laws. It's all because Ryan Giggs has finally been identified as the footballer we've all been reading so much about on Twitter. Yes, shock horror, he's the naughty so-and-so who got the gagging order to try and keep his extracurricular activities hush-hush. But all that secrecy came to an end when the Lib Dem MP John Hemming used parliamentary privilege to point out that gigs had been named by 75,000 people on the social networking site and that it was impractical, not to mention impossible, to prosecute all of them for being in contempt of court. Uh, all this took place after the Scottish newspaper The Sunday Herald printed a barely concealed photograph of gigs at the weekend and that in itself came hot on the heels of Giggs's legal team deciding it was a smart move to sue Twitter for breaching the terms of the injunction. So we'll uh, discuss all of that and uh, gigs and gagging orders and all of that in a moment. First, let's hear, though, from Hugh Tomlinson QC, an eminent media lawyer who's represented many celebrities who've obtained injunctions in the past, including Giggs. Uh, He told me that it's now time for Parliament to introduce a privacy law rather than to leave it to the courts to introduce it by the back door. You've got to look at the history. Um, Privacy law has been proposed in Parliament, I think the first time was in 1961. The press have consistently opposed it. I think it's a good idea to have a privacy law because it will be properly debated, it will have democratic legitimacy and the judges can't then be accused of having ignored the will of Parliament. Do you get the sense that judges are feeling a bit on the back foot at the moment? Certainly some of the language in the recent judgments is um, quite colourful, isn't it? 
judges um, express their views to the public by their judgments. You have to read their judgments uh, and, and you form the view as to what they think. I mean, the judges are concerned that the law is obeyed. Uh, the judges apply the law as, as they're required to do. Uh, and, and I think one of the very uh, unfortunate things about the current position is that it's been personalised to a small number of judges when in fact those judges are simply following rules which have been laid down by the higher courts over a number of years. Is it possible to enforce these rules in in the Twitter age where, as the MP said in Parliament, 70,000 people have named, named people on Twitter? That obviously gives rise to very complex issues. The, the, the fact that a law is difficult to enforce... Um, doesn't mean you shouldn't try to enforce it. There is all kinds of new challenges for the law um, arising out of the use of social media. I mean, another one which hasn't been talked about much recently, um, but but is of grave concern um, throughout the world, I mean, the States and Australia and so on, is, is the use of the internet by jurors in criminal cases. Uh, um, uh, measures have been taken to try and control that. Rules have been laid down. Obviously, uh, those rules sometimes work and they sometimes don't. And we've got to try and work out ways of making them more effective in, in, in a sensible and proportionate way. Where do you see it's, this uh, privacy debate is, is, is headed for? Because it seems to be you know, at, a, at, a, at, a, at an apex at the moment. Well, I think it's a very good thing that it, this is all being publicly debated because if things are publicly debated, people then understand what's going on, they understand the arguments for and against, uh, and I welcome this, and I'm sure that the, uh, most lawyers do. If, if Parliament debates privacy law, the government gives it consideration, that's all to the good. Uh, Hugh Tomlinson, QC. Janine, it's a sort of a kiss and tell that's become a you know, media storm and a constitutional crisis, really. Um, what is your take on the, on the whole thing? This isn't really a media problem anymore. That the, um, the market that has been created between women, usually, but, you know, kiss and tellies mm. who have a story to uh, sell or an experience which is marketable, and then the public, which has a uh, voracious to, appetite yes. to find out about this stuff. The press in the middle, and, by, and I am in, by no means excusing the behaviour of the newspapers, but they're, they're, they're almost just sort of an increasingly relevant thing in the middle. So there's a, a, a pattern that happens, which is, let's say, Imogen Thomas uh, approaches the person, in this case, Ryan Giggs, and uh, if you read uh, the judgment, there is a, a, a thinly veiled, and uh, not very thinly veiled, uh, blackmailing attempt. Yes. It's quite explicit. You mm. know, she goes and she says, I need 50 grand. Well, he, he the, goes, the judge says that. This what, is what the judge yeah. says. And he gave her a football shirt, didn't he? He yeah. gives her a football shirt. And some shirt. tickets to a, a match. Um, uh, so first there is, okay, so at that point we've established what the price of the story is. It's 100 grand. Uh, uh, it's not coming from the footballer, so therefore the next route is you trot along to Max Clifford and you go talk to a newspaper. Um, and you get some money from the newspaper for doing it anonymously. Um, then an injunction comes along and no newspaper can, can publish the story. And That's fine. you, you can't but, make your money out yeah. of your alleged Except affair. that it emerges you can, yeah. because you know, what do you do? You do a deal with Paddy Power and you are shot in an advertising campaign, which, and this was all done before the injunction was, well, it hasn't been lifted, but before the name was said in Parliament. She did a, a, an ad campaign with Paddy Power, Pictures of Imogen Thomas, some pun on the word gig, on YouTube, and this, and away we go. 
for a six-figure sum. And with plenty of side deals. Yes, and with plenty of side deals with broadcasters and magazines who'll take a story about how, isn't it terrible that, 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 I'm, that, my, that I can't tell my side of the story? So I just think this is, that the fact of publication in the Sun or the Mail or the News of the World or wherever is almost irrelevant now. Well, except because of the whole storm that was around whether they could or couldn't publish, it's now of much more interest than it would have been otherwise. If otherwise, it would have just been, oh, another football is sleeping around. That but is a reasonable is... point, but you can always find a storm. Uh, there, there, there's mm. always a storm. And actually, um, there was a there was a <clears throat> lady of the night in the US who had um, had a, 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 an incident with a movie star who I won't name because I'm not sure this one is. <laughs> yes. Let's just pluck a name at random. Think yes. of a movie star with I don't Tell know eye, eyebrows and an attitude, <laughs> and you'll be in the right ballpark. Um, uh, it wouldn't necessarily be the most surprising thing in the world to discover that he'd been up to some shenanigans. Anyway, um, no American media would touch her story, so she wrote a book not really literate, but, you know, got the sort of uh, thrust of it out and uh, self-published it on the internet and then made a ton of money, not from the book. That's just getting the information out there with the name attached to it. And then off you go, chat show circuit, on the talk radio, so, endorsing So, so is, all the, is all this debate about privacy laws and, and the judges and, and parliament, do you think it's all, all irre- irrelevant, Ollie, or do you think it is an important matter of constitutional concern that we should be worried about? Well, I think, as always, when people start discussing how we proceed in a post-internet world, when we're in that post-internet world now, it's too late anyway. The genie's out of the bottle, what's the point? This yeah. is, I'm not talking about some fine year thing in the future exactly. where you can just communicate with the world about your story this is happening right now where this is what is happening and also i mean for shillings which is the legal firm that tried to sue twitter i mean that's basically suing the public i mean if your if your legal business is based on the idea that you can help preserve people's reputations don't try and sue the public on their behalf because that's no. not going to make them See, look very the good. Fu- this is absolutely the fundamental legal mistake, I think, which is assuming that because something is written down in words, mm. it is therefore media as opposed to a conversation. Well, exactly. Whereas suing it's Twitter, the- it's like suing Weatherspoons for someone having a racist conversation in the dog and duck. So this is precisely the problem, is that because it is in text format, it is therefore somehow the same as a newspaper? No, that's or just a word. Pe- what you're doing is you're a- confusing a word with yes. speech. Yes, this is very interesting. So... Um, so does this mean then – well, you mentioned shilling, so, 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 so let's pursue that particular avenue. Does this mean that because of the spectacular failure of this – of the of the shillings and his and Giggs' legal team to protect his name, does it mean, do you think, that that kind of aggressive legal strategy is something that won't happen so much anymore? So I'm very interested. What I would like to know is how many times shillings advise uh, a celebrity client with an issue – not to go for an injunction. I'd like to know <laughs> how many times a consultation has resorted in the piece of advice that goes, don't do no, this. don't get an injunction because yeah. this is going to come out anyway and, frankly, you will be You'll ill be wasting served. your money. You're she wasting your money. You. <laughs> <laughs> She's, she is going to get this information out there, I'm yeah. telling you. So don't do that. So first, I'd like to know that. Second thing I'd like to know is we've clearly peaked at the injunction thing. Yes. Because... There's not going to be much more It's been growing and growing for about the last eight years. We're up to one a week. They're not super injunctions. They're I know. just injunctions. And, super uh, injunctions are the ones we can't talk about. There's nothing new about them. About. They have yes. been going for, for, for eight years or so. And uh, I'd be interested to know if the market just sorts this out right now because we're spending a lot of time with the legislation on how we change the privacy law. And I think if I was a cajillionaire... Premier League footballer right now I, I probably I, think I, I'd be thinking I'm I'm I, I would have tried the PCC they're free or they're fast free and fair <laughs> aren't they <laughs> or, or I'd probably be thinking oh sod it I may as well just pay her off I yes. mean you know frankly quicker and uh, and cheaper yes. well, I'm or, not advocating blackmail or 
it might be. I mean, because let's say footballers, they're not always the most intelligent people, are they? It could be that just the publicity that this is attracting for the word injunction actually plants that idea in more people's heads. It actually seems like a more legitimate thing to do in a way because more people are doing it. I, yeah. think, I think that was three years ago. I think that peaked three years okay. ago. But no, I completely do think that was happened. Mm. Um, I was part of it. I did an interview with Keith Schilling. We put him in G2 as the injunction king. Mm. And I suspect I'd probably... <laughs> Bit publicity for them. What do you help. think about this business about Twitter saying that saying that they will comply with local laws and hand over people's uh, people's login details and all the rest of it to the um, uh, to the police? Would you are you worried? Is there anything that you've written on Twitter, Ollie, that you're now worried worried about? Were you one of the seventy five thousand? I wasn't one of the seventy five thousand actually, and and partly the reason I wasn't is because I thought. I'm a very spurious broadcaster, but I am a kind of broadcaster. Yes. You know, I do you've a been podcast. On Lorraine, you've been on Lorraine Kelly. I've been on Lorraine Kelly, in a sense. Won an and award. Won an award. Won an award. And it could just be that because it's me, rather than just yes. Dave from Dagenham, that I'm perceived to be broadcasting it rather than writing it. And there's these nuanced distinctions, I think, between who it is that's... Re- if Robert Peston writes it, it carries yes. a lot more credibility than... Well, than if I do, and certainly yes. than if someone in the street does. So I think it depends who it is, really. But when it gets to those kinds of numbers... I mean, even if Twitter does hand over everyone's information, I think people will just then migrate to another site doing the same thing, won't they? They'll get mirrored somewhere else in the world, like we saw with WikiLeaks, and we'll just get another site doing it there. Anyway, the Attorney General said he's not going after Giles Corrin, so I think we're all safe. Because if he was going after Giles Corrin, I I might be worried, but, you know, he's not, is he? You can't can't send Giles Corrin to prison for <laughs> writing something on Twitter. God, have you seen what Giles Corrin writes on Twitter? Yes. Where, would you, where would it end? <laughs> I know, exactly. Okay, well, I think they're going to end right here. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, well, there's more on all of this at uh, mediaguardian.co.uk. Time to catch up with a few of the other media stories making the headlines this week. Uh, a couple of tech stories. Uh, this is your uh, bag, Ollie, isn't it? Uh, Twitter has completed... Well, it's, it's, my, it's my digital bag. It is your digital it's bag. It's my tablet. Yes, it is, yes. <laughs> so tweet, this is Twitter and TweetDeck. Uh, mm. th- th- 25 million, uh, roughly. Uh, is that a good thing? I think this is a great thing because this is a British-based company, TweetDeck, who have sold their platform to an American San Franciscan-based company, Twitter, for £25 million. That gives hope to anyone who's developing third-party apps. Um, I was at a launch last night for a new TomTom. It wasn't even for a new TomTom product. It was for a new slogan. They had a party for a slogan. (laughs) Unbelievable. They've got a lot of money. you went to it. Oh, yeah, free beer. Um, uh, But I met a guy there who works for Portable GPS World or something, some blog that writes about GPS, and they do uh, traffic camera information. And he was saying... This has just given hope to everyone who does this kind of thing. You know, mm. he develops an app that's compatible with sat-navs. There's now a precedent that someone might pay him £25 million for coming up with the market-leading one. And what I think is really clever about Twitter buying TweetDeck is, one, the thing that you've talked about on this podcast before, which is that, in a way, they're letting the market decide which is the best and they don't have to spend on product development. Hmm. But two... Have we, t- have we said that? That sounds really intelligent. <laughs> Someone said it. I you were looking out the window. Yeah, John Plunkett was probably presenting that yeah. way. Uh, but two, um, people use TweetDeck to look at Facebook and LinkedIn and Foursquare as well. So TweetDeck have all the information about yes, people's social lives. That's a very good point. And Twitter have now basically bought it without having to buy Facebook. And if Facebook now say we don't want to be on TweetDeck anymore, it'll look like Facebook being pissy, whereas actually they've only paid £25 million for a company that would be worth in excess of £100 billion, And they've got the same information. Exactly. And then TweetDeck moves the market on other um, third-party app developers, like Bitly or um, uh, TwitPhoto or TwitPic or whatever. Whichever one they choose or whichever one they recommend then becomes its own authority stream. And also, Ian Dodsworth, 
is a really nice man. Is he? Oh, that's nice, nice isn't it? It's nice when nice people came do well. in, sort yeah. of talks to people about how you use stuff. Just really interested, wanted to build something good. Yeah. You think, oh, that's nice. Well, excellent. Good for him. Um, so he uh, drinks from him. Uh, ne- next generation broadband, Ollie. What, what's all, the, all this about? Yes, uh, video pornography is coming to Cornwall <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> they're getting uh, 4G. LTE, I think it's called, which is the next up from 3G, which means you can watch videos and stuff and share things on your mobile phones a lot better. Why Cornwall? Uh, Because they don't have very fast broadband because they're in a more remote area of the world than other people in the UK. Um, It's a charity case then, isn't it? It is, basically, yeah. But it's all to do with um, that report. Was it Digital Britain, it was called? And the government said, didn't they, everyone needs to have, I think it was two megabytes minimum. So this is about ensuring that they meet that target. So BT, in cooperation with pretty much every telecoms company in Europe, are targeting Cornwall to see if they can get mobile broadband off the ground there. Which I think when everyone obsesses about DAB which yes. really is not relevant to people's usual lives. They're quite happy with FM. Yeah. I think it's about time they sort out the internet because that really is important. Yes. You know, you can't run a business without it. Well, no, and uh, I, you know, I, I can't use Grindr in Devon at the moment. So, you know, it's, just, <laughs> it's opening up all kinds of opportunities exactly. for you there. Yes. Yeah. Um, shall we finish with a radio story? Uh, LBC is looking for a new programme controller. It's because Jonathan Richards has parted company with the station after 16 years. Uh, now, <laughs> there, are, there are all sorts of stories coming out of the station about the reasons for his departure, but it's probably best if we put them all to one side. But it is interesting because LBC is a sort of London success story. Complete success story. I mean, he's left it in a really good shape. I mean, it was probably more fun to listen to when Jenny Eclair and Paul Ross and Ian Lee were there. But it's a much more straightforward proposition now. It is people talking about the news 24-7. And there are times when I'm driving in my car and I want to listen to new stuff. And Radio 4 isn't doing it. Five Live is doing some long celebrity interview about a book. Talk Sport is talking about sport. And LBC is actually the only place that's doing it. And they've taken risks on people like Ian Dale, like David Meller. I mean, they're not people that you would necessarily think should have their own show, and they all work really, really well. So uh, he did a really good job in that station. And I think that if whatever he was doing has been going on for a while, that's probably why it took a while to get rid of him. It's very difficult for a commercial company to say, go away, you person who's making this very successful. Janine's got a hand up. Didn't you used to have a programme on LBC? I got fired by LBC. Well, but during its interesting but not very popular phase. During its, it, I, was, <laughs> I was in the Paul, Paul Ross. It was, it was fun to listen to, but nobody listened, yes. Uh, producer Ben has asked me to point out that Jonathan Richards was always very good to him too, uh, but he's removed him as a referee from his CV until the dust settles. We should do some breaking news, because uh, just at the time of podding, it's been confirmed that Cheryl Cole has been axed, ditched and dumped from the US version of The X Factor, even, be- even before it's begun. Uh, so it's time to uh, dispatch the Skycopter. Uh, and Janine Gibson, <laughs> what, uh, what, <laughs> what's the latest? Well, um, uh, it's, I, I don't know why anyone's surprised. I mean, for a start, let's not pretend that this has just happened, that yeah. she has been shockingly axed for having a Geordie accent. We're perfectly clear. She sounded like that before. Fox probably always thought she sounded weird and the Americans wouldn't <laughs> like it. I just want to know when the carve-up was done, that she would be this year's ritual sacrificial judge in the pre-season build-up to the show's launch. Yeah, you're right. That is a bit of a tradition, isn't it? Yeah. Brian in the, in the Friedman, yeah. um, Kelly Lu- Brook on Britain's Got Talent. Louis Walsh. Louis Walsh. I mean, this is it's, it's, it's almost as much of a cliche as going to deadlock. Yeah, I don't know why we're even slightly worried about but it. But this is so embarrassing for her to go out there and have had the press speculate. And you're right, the, the speculation was empty because it was always obvious she was going to get the job. But f- for that reason, to have had a year of discussing it and then, yeah, she's got the job and she's our girl and she's the nation's sweetheart. And then two weeks later, she's coming back again. I, I think, think it's, it's just really embarrassing. I, I just think it's an equation. I think it goes, nobody knows who I am in America. I cannot get arrested here. 
I will go there. I will hang around <laughs> so for a bit. Speak, where I'm here. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, no, that was just a turn of phrase. I'm yeah. not saying anything there. Oh, cool. Um, uh, she was cleared. And now she's had five opportunities to wear frocks and have people take pictures of and her. And she does look fantastic. Apart from in the purple flares. And then no, even they in were, the purple flares. They either. were very controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Jess Cotton Morley tweeted this morning, Cardian fashion editor Jess Cotton Morley tweeted this morning, in, with hindsight it was a distress signal. <laughs> very funny. Yes, yeah. Um, but, it, or, could, could you look at it this way, that actually it was Simon Cowell who was desperately pushing for her, for her to go. And he's been pushing for her to go for years. And he planted all these stories in the papers about how the deal's almost done and then, then, the, then the deal is done. And so he's got enough leverage, to ju- just about enough leverage with Fox executives to get her over there and get her onto the first auditions. Then they see the rushes and they go, I can't, I can't understand her. She's terrible. Get her off my show. And he hasn't got enough leverage to keep her on the show. No, you're right. I think it's entirely possible that Simon Cowell is both very indecisive about his judging lineup because it's probably not something you pay much attention to, <laughs> and then has almost no influence. I've been put down quite. I was, I was, I was, I've been put down by Janine Gibson. Uh, it's, a possi- it's a possibility. It's though. not a possibility. I'll tell you what else isn't a possibility. What? There is no possibility that Peter Fincham agreed that his most valuable show, his most valuable show, the bedrock of the ITV schedule, was going out this autumn, anchored by Gary Barlow and Louis Walsh. And <laughs> Some woman out of end up. So the, you are not telling me that was an actual so deal. I think you're fine. <laughs> Cheryl Cole has been rescued for the British nation. Poor Cheryl, the nation's sweetheart, possibly in Jerry Halliwell's Union Jack dress, will appear at the auditions, maybe on Tyneside. I'm just speculating. She Tory might even cry. And, all, and she may even cry. And all of this, so Peter Fincham was in, the, was in this deal now. This, the no, the conspiracy the, theory is widened. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a company with a brand. Okay. Okay. So nice. Oh, you'll be telling me she had malaria next. I'll tell you who will be really disappointed. Who's that? Uh, that's the owners of the Cheryl Bakery in Pennsylvania, who own Cheryl.com. Uh, because they were going to market her there as just Cheryl, not Cheryl Cole, for obvious reasons, in America. And that would have been a very valuable asset, wouldn't it? It's gone now, lost it. Perhaps if they'd seen Geordie Shaw in America, they'd have been a bit more familiar with the Exactly, that would have been the way to introduce her. Have you seen this? Has that actually launched? I saw a picture of some people with no clothes on in a jacuzzi by the time. That looks nippy. (laughs) That looks just like a normal Saturday night out. Uh, No, it is. Yeah, it it has launched. Have you you seen it? I haven't. I don't don't know what it is, but I'm a bit allergic to these staged reality shows. Made in Chelsea, the only way I don't like them. I like There was a whole, do you know, feature on the... Today program a program about uh, staged reality scripted reality programs this yeah, week yeah. that Evan Davis seriously introduced. Yeah, well, they, that's because they all watch it, don't they? All the people that I know that watch those shows are really posh, <laughs> and they do it and they laugh at people. They yeah. laugh at communists. That's what it's about. Uh, okay, now we were talking about the X Factor producers looking around for a new presenter, and it's not only them; it's Countdown as well because Jeff Stelling has quit yes. as the presenter of uh, the Channel Four Quiz. Uh, as the completely anonymous presenter of yes. the Channel Four Quiz, by the way, he never really took off, in my opinion. No, no. If you'd have actually gone up to anyone in the street before this news had broken and said, mm. "Who is presenting Countdown right now?" They, you would have got an eighty percent Richard White. Return yeah. <laughs> probably twenty percent does line them as yeah, well. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what is it with that show that that they can't get a presenter to stick? I know you think it would be a dream job, but it turns out that Richard Whiteley's life is one that no one wants. It turns out that actually, it, apparently, it's hell going up to Yorkshire to record a daytime quiz show. It looks lovely to me. What a nice day out! But they all they can't bear the commuting. They find it tedious. Uh, they should have given it to Alexander Armstrong, who wanted it, and who who would have been quite good. Yeah, no, they should have skipped a generation, stopped trying to replicate Whiteley with some sort of cosy uncle figure and, uh, and gone somebody who, 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 who really loves it. Hmm. Because it's not arch. Uh, people really love it. I really love it. Mm. I'll do it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll you do, do it. it. 
Would you would you do it instead of going to, go, go to run the Guardian's new US operation in New York? In a heartbeat. <laughs> I actually, I do think a woman would be good, in fact, Janine. So I think you should put yourself forward, because I think that would be the way to finally... Not going younger, but going for a different gender would break the whole Richard Whiteley comparison thing. It actually might be time for Carol now. I mean, I don't know if it you've noticed, but she has been pictured mm. a bit more in the press recently. Yes. She's been wearing dresses. It was hard for her to succeed straight from Richard Whiteley, because I think they fell out over money. Yeah. I, think, I think it's time for Carol. She's the only one the fans will accept. I think she's a bit too clever. Like, her perception is that she's too clever and not cosy enough. I'd go for Fern Britton. Fern Britton? Fern Britton. I don't believe Fern could do the anagrams. But she doesn't need to do them. She just needs to have a laugh with Giles Brandreth, and we know she'd be good at that. Well, obviously... Sue Perkins. Well, Sue Perkins, possibly. Mm, And and if, you know, Jay Hunt could single-handedly restore her her reputation for for promoting middle-aged women, couldn't Mm. she? By promoting a middle-aged woman. Exactly. Right, thank you very much, uh, and, and it's, well, it's been a pleasure uh, uh, this week because it's been unexpected. To, to, uh, two, well, well, one new person in the podcast, and one yeah. person I haven't seen for about eighteen months. So it's, been, it's like old times all over again. Old times and a new dawn together. Ex- that's exactly what it is. Yes, mm-hmm. um, fusing of actual skill with us. <laughs> yes, it is. So uh, anyway, the, 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 that is the end. Um, have you had? Uh, that is the end. <laughs> have you enjoyed? <laughs> have you enjoyed the podcast? I have loved this podcast. Thank you, Matt. It's not. Like nearly, I feel like I've won a competition. It's not nearly as good as yours. What? Uh, now, traditionally, we end this podcast by asking um, our guests what they've learned in this media week. And do, uh, are you the sort of uh, media executive who goes out lunching? And uh, <laughs> yeah, the great thing is, I could call myself a media executive, yes. couldn't I? Because you know I, that was the thing at the Sony Awards when you write what you are, like as a podcaster. You know, I'm the presenter, I'm the producer, I'm the station manager. Yes, I'm the floor manager. I'm the sound engineer. Actually, I'm not Martin's the sound engineer, but basically, yeah. yeah. So I am the station manager. Yes, I'm an executive. Mm. What would Steve Ackerman call me? A digital entrepreneur. Yes, I think that's what cross-platform. Yes, that's what yeah, I am. That's, yeah. Yes. So, so in your travels around the media le- uh, world, what have you learned this week? Uh, I have learned that, well, from a well-placed source, I shouldn't say who it is, but from a well-placed source, yes, so that, I learned g- generally that's what you do. Don't reveal a source. No, yeah. uh, that the prime minister has between four and five barocas a day. Really? That's what I was told. Between Be- four and five? Between four and five barocas Don't they really taste nasty? No, they're delicious. I have them all the time. Because w- when I'm doing uh, late night broadcasts, which is typically when I'm on very late at night or very in the early in the morning, I don't want to have a coffee. Right. So I tend to put a barocca into some water and I can sleep on that. And I was saying to this guest that I was on a show with, and uh, they said, oh, yeah, the PM has four or five of those a day. And I was like, that, he, he, his fluids are going to be bright yellow as a result of that. They are. But they says he runs on it. So yeah, this country is running on Barocca, that's what I learned. <laughs> Janine? I don't know anything about what the Prime Minister does. I do know, I do now know the identity of the injunctee known as OPQ. That's oh, exciting. Yes. Yes. And I also I can't tell you. No. And I also know the identity of a celebrity who was uh, blackmailed last year, and uh, I know that one as well. And I also know the Is names of several footballers. You're just boasting. Who, You're not sharing. Who have behaved very badly. And the thing is, you wouldn't care if you did know. No, never heard of any of them. I do have one other thing I've learned this week. Go on, then do another one. Can I tell yeah. you one other thing I've oh, learned this week? Can we do competitive what I've learned this week? <laughs> well, on, bring it. One other thing that I've learned yes. this week that I wanted to mention Yasmin Alibi Brown is a massive fan of Blondie. Really? That's well, that who learned. isn't? Who well, isn't? Exactly. exactly. Who isn't? I'm a massive fan of Blondie. Um, uh, I don't know if Debbie Harry's a massive Yasmila by Brown fan, though. This is what we need to find out. Mm. Thank you very much uh, to both of you. To, well, we're not thanking Dan Sabat because he's not here. Um, but our blog and Twitter details are at guardian.co.uk slash mediatalk. Uh, head, head there to leave your feedback on anything that you've uh, heard. Media Talk is produced by Ben Green. I'm Matt Wells. See you next time. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.